0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Perspective Transformation Radio, enjoying its tenth anniversary, often the number one live airing broadcast on Blog Talk Radio, and reaching a global audience of over 185,000 listeners. During this hour-long interview-style program, you'll meet perspective transformers who come to share their most pivotal, life-changing insights and aha moments, offering you instant access to life, leadership, and God-loving seismic shifts of your own. We encourage you to invite friends to join you here now, or share quotes with attribution, and also reach out to our sponsor, womenspeakers.com. womenspeakers.com is the most popular online connecting place for Christian event planners and Christian women speakers since 2002. I'm your host, Marnie Sledberg, and I encourage you to grab a notepad and get ready to meet today's Perspective transformer. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie. So excited to have you with us this afternoon. I'm glad you've joined us for this program on outsourcing strategies to help you select great providers to get more done. I am so Super excited today to welcome my son, Mark, to the show. I have two boys and a daughter. I have uh, Mark is my oldest son, and Karen is my middle child, and Tim is my youngest son, and Mark is here today, and we are going to be explaining how we consistently find, hire, and manage outsourcers from Upwork.com and other sources, uh, both in the United States and abroad, to accomplish a huge variety of projects. Some of our projects have included proofreading and editing for blogs, articles, books, and websites, book formatting like layout, uh, music rendition, putting notes to original music, website development and customizations. Uh, website maintenance, gardening and updates, marketing and social media support, voiceover and commercial creation, images, graphic arts, infographics, video creation and YouTube page management, Excel management, and so much more. Now, Mark is a self-taught programmer and a designer who has worked at an Amazon startup incubator as a consultant for the Veterans Health Affairs and with dozens of startups. He's also hired hundreds of outsourcers and I have been working with Upwork in specific since 2009. My stats include that I have had 245 hires through them with an average of 4.97 out of five stars. Um, I've invested in 4,881 hours with outsourced just through Upwork alone. So I'm excited that you're joining us now to tap into this amazing talent pool to shorten your turnaround time and productivity, and I'd like to welcome you, Mark. Welcome. Glad to be here. Doing this training is something we've talked about probably for years now <laughs> because <laughs> right. we have both spent so much time working with outsourcers and actually your background included being an outsourcer, which is kind of a fun, um, I've never been an outsourcer myself, but have worked with hundreds of outsourcers. So maybe tell us first, how did you ever decide to look at outsourcing? Were you, were you an outsourcer yourself first or hiring first?
1: I've been working, so with Upwork, or they used to be called Elance. I've been doing that since, mm, I think, 18 or 19 was when I first started looking into it. And I didn't have any money at the time. Uh, but I was, I was just, I loved the idea of being able to delegate stuff. So I had been working already there for a couple different companies, uh, mostly doing hiring through that and delegation. Um, and then in my late 20s, I was trying to figure out how to pursue a job in technology so design and web development. I was kind of teaching myself how to do those skills, and so I realized, oh, I've got access to this platform where people will pay me to learn how to do the skill set, so I decided I would learn how to do freelancing then. But at that point, I had already been you know, on there for years and years, and I kind of knew how it worked and had a pretty good feel for it.
0: Right. So you've, you've been using outsourcers or being an outsourcer yourself for over 10 years. Uh, so when right. you look at it, compared to –
1: Compared to hiring somebody, what do you think the advantages to using an outsourcer? I would say the biggest, really the biggest one is going to be the mindset. So I've worked at a lot of startups, and you've got to be really careful when you go to hire someone that's not an outsourcer. They come with an employee mindset, and so they need more stability. They're looking for, you know, a little bit more, we call it hand-holding. I mean, it might be fine, but really, if you're in a startup or if you're doing virtual work, Um, finding a freelancer that works on Upwork or some kind of a platform like that, they're going to be a lot more resilient, a little bit more adaptable. They're used to all kinds of different um, work environments, digital work environments and teams. And then they're also really, um, you know, they're not as dependent on you. Like I remember we had to lay some people off at one point and the people with the employee mindset were just devastated. And, you know, it was a bummer but they were devastated. They didn't know what to do. And our freelancers were like, Oh yeah, that's cool. Whatever. You know, they can go, just go get new jobs. So it, it's a dramatic difference in terms of how, you know, independent these people are.
0: Oh, that's, that's really a great uh, perspective. There was a time when, um, when you were first learning how to be an outsourcer. And I remember, I remember you figuring out that there was a way to you, for you to earn more money, So as someone who hired outsourcers, what role does the money play? And then as a follow-up question separately, I'll ask you about how you increase your fees. So start first with at this point in time when you're hiring, what role does the money play?
1: Well, money is really important at every level. Well, I think what we've learned most in the last couple of years is how many different levels of hiring there are and things change at each different level. If you're on a freelancer site, one of the common things is that you're going to try to get the best deal on the price and what that can lead to is you get people in that are not really the kind of people that you want to be working with and that can cost you a lot more money over time. So when we do, when we do hiring on Upwork or any other platform at this point, what we really do is we map out exactly what we're looking for first we decide how much we're going to pay for that job. And we sometimes will go out and do some research on how much, you know, what would be a medium high uh, pay rate for that job. And that will pull us in people that are ridiculously qualified and easy to work with. So that's a lot of times what we're looking for. The other thing that you can do when you're looking for price, uh, the beautiful thing about freelancing is you can do it anywhere in the world. So I would still recommend to really get serious about exactly what you're looking for. Um, and it can be big. Like we just realized within the last week or two that we could get salespeople that were also attorneys and were also real estate investors. That thought had never even crossed our mind because it's (laughs) "It's just, it's an amazing thing. And not only that, we can get them on commission only. So, you know, when you realize really the, the step one is write down exactly what you want. What's your dream scenario. And then step two is, Maybe you can't afford a U.S. outsourcer. That's fine. Go check the Philippines. You know, go check other countries. Uh, there, are, there are some incredibly amazing people out there. And it's really about identifying what you want and what you can afford to pay, and then figuring out how to make those things work for you.
0: Wow, that is really cool. Now let's go ahead and talk about countries for just a moment. And then I want to swing back around to. The increasing rates. Uh, So countries, for me personally, I have found that programmers from India are the most polite and the most skilled usually, and that VAs, um, media support like that, people who are just helping data entry, those kind of people from the Philippines are amazingly helpful and courteous. What has been your experience?
1: Well, I'd say the Philippines have the best English so they can almost pass as native English speakers. Not quite, but uh, their English is very, very good. Um, India obviously has a ton of people. You gotta be really careful. Um, It's such a big profession over there that you've gotta really vet vet them quite a bit. Uh, You'll get good rates, but at the same time, I remember one time realizing uh, we had hired this firm to do our coding for us, and then I learned how to code. And I went and looked at their code And it was really pretty atrocious it was terrible code um so and of course you would never know that if you weren't a programmer but what you could tell is that things kept going like they were getting more complex they were taking longer they were missing deadlines and that's really the result of the code even if you don't know the code just looking at the quality of work is a big one so if somebody from india because there's so many people trying to get jobs uh, in that area uh, you just got to look at reviews uh One of the things, one of the policies we do with hiring is we will pull somebody in for two to four weeks. And we will, so like on Upwork, let's just use this as an example. Instead of just hiring them on an hourly contract, we would hire them on a fixed rate contract. We give them a very specific thing that they need to deliver on. We give them two to four weeks, and then that contract is set to end at that point, whether we like it or not. That way we prevent what will oftentimes happen is we get lazy on an on an hourly thing and it's like oh they're good enough and then the contract just keeps going and the reality is we don't have the greatest person with us right so if you if you focus on a contract that will automatically expire then you have to go and set that contract up again and if you weren't thrilled with that person typically you're gonna be like "Mm, you know if i have to do all this work anyway i might as well just post a new job so it's it's kind of being it's kind of figuring out how to trick yourself into doing the right thing sometimes Country-wise, though, I think you can find, what, what we've been noticing, too, is you can find amazing people in any country, but you do have to be willing to vet them and just understand everybody's got different different strengths and weaknesses.
0: So I am going to ask about posting the job here, a couple things. The description part is really important, which I want to talk about in a few minutes, but there's some category settings that I use and that you use. So let me just walk you through yours real quick. Um, First, in the category setting of description, how full of a description do you provide there?
1: Um, It depends. We've actually been doing, uh, we've kind of redone our hiring process to be much more um, informative. So we will talk about our company a little bit and what we do and we will tell them what they'll be doing inside the company And that'll just be like a couple, maybe a one paragraph description of here's what, kind of a day in the life, right? You're trying to give them a good feel of what it's like to work here. Just a quick summary. And then we'll go down and we learned this actually from hiring on Indeed and other, you know, real job platforms as opposed to freelance platforms. You can kind of talk about what the advantages of working with you are. And the reason you would do this and and like how the pay structure is set up, you always want to put things in a positive light. So if it's You know, if it's a work-from-home job, you would want to talk about, like, hey, you have the freedom to set your own schedule. You've got the ability to, um, you know, work from where you want, how you want, stuff like that, and really pitch that. And a lot of the freelancers will already know it, but the reason you want to do this is because the better the job sounds, the more likely you are to attract the top talents. You know, uh, bottom talent will come to any job post you list. They don't really care. But the top talent, they actually need to be convinced because they can go get a bunch of different jobs. So you have to tell them why your job is so useful. Um, And then, of course, what we do is with most of our jobs at this point, we will map out, like, what are the top five things I want this person to do or to have? So, like, with our sales position, a great example, we want them to be a licensed attorney. We want them to have formal sales training knowledge. Um, Let's see we want them to have experience as an actual real estate investor. I mean, these are really difficult things to do, right? We want them to know how to do, go find their own leads, how to do prospecting, and we want them to have a good follow-up game. You know, so that is a really, once we have those five things, what we'll do is you, you post the job and you can also talk about those things in the job listing. And then you go through and basically just look at everybody and you give them five points, one point for each quality, and you only hire four or five-star candidates, or you only really interview those people and then out of the, those interviews you can hire. So the job post is really, the better you make it, the more likely you will be to hire in top talent. And then you really want to figure out like what are your five points ahead of time and put those in the job posting. Cause the goal is, it's just like marketing. The goal is the person that you want to hire should be able to almost look at your title and just start reading a couple lines and be like, Oh, this is the, they're talking to me. This is the job for me. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the goal. Yeah, that's really cool.
0: So when you post jobs typically, like this sales job you're talking about, would you have everyone be able to see it, only Upworkers or only those you invite?
1: So we're making a huge, kind of a big change in this. We just got done with the hiring round where we did basically think of it as a funnel. So for the past one, we did an open funnel where we just posted the job for everyone. And we'd pull everybody in. And then the step two would be, all of them had to go take a survey. Well, actually, we would read the resumes, filter out the majority of people that didn't qualify just right away. And then the people that did, we'd have them take a survey. And so we'd slowly tighten that funnel down, right? Then there's survey questions, only a couple of those people get interviews. So you go from this big broad group down, narrower and narrower. What we're gonna actually try this time, because we have enough money to spend on some paid listings. So the the first way with the broad funnel, Uh, The challenge is it's a lot of man hours. You you actually have to go read through, like we had 600 different people apply on just one listing. So, you know, it's a lot of work, but you get amazing people out of it. It's definitely worth it. Um, The alternative is to write a super specific job post where it's a very tight top of the funnel. So in that case, you would be saying, right in your, probably your title, you'd say, hey, I want a salesperson with an attorney, you know, a background in real estate and an attorney. And you know that's going to filter out almost all the applications right from the get-go. Because most people will look at that and just get demoralized, like, oh, I don't have I don't have that. I probably shouldn't apply to this, right? The only trick, you're gonna get it in front of the right eyes. And so typically what we do with something like that when it's super tight is you just spend on the paid listing to get it in front of more people's eyes. The right person is basically gonna be able to read your title and be like, oh, that's me. So Uh, The advantage of that one, the disadvantages are going to be you're spending a little bit more on the paid listings to get in front of more people's face. But at the same time, you save yourself a lot of hours. So, I don't know. It kind of depends on your budget and and what you're looking to do. Cool.
0: And do you ever, there's there's a question on the application uh, or when you're filling out the job posting that says, will you work with an independent or an agent? Do you guys ever work with agencies?
1: we do specifically related to marketing stuff marketing tends to be complex it has a whole bunch of different disciplines and so um typically hiring an agency in there is a good one with your really and and it's with your like really key positions so you know sometimes developers the the thing with an agency is it's a little bit tricky because it's a black box right if you had hired all those people individually you'd, you'd be like one step removed from them. You, you would, well, you'd be directly speaking to them and you can check their work and kind of talk about process. When you hire an agency, you're talking to the project manager, but there's people behind the scenes that you never get to meet really, that you don't know what they do and you just have to kind of trust them to do it. So I think what we've, what we've kind of realized is with hiring, no matter how many steps you take, you can't always get, you just can't guarantee it's going to work out. The biggest thing is always starting with, that two to four week um, trial phase and making sure that it ends. And then the only way you rehire them is if you really, really love the work they did. Otherwise, you just trick yourself into moving forward with stuff that you shouldn't.
0: <laughs> I love that. That is, a great, uh, that is a great policy just to have set in place. So um, for the job success on the posting a job, for the job success, do you have anything that you require job success wise or
1: dollars earned? Um, no, I typically don't look for that. You could the The one thing to keep in mind with something like that is you're filtering out people that are just getting in, so you're missing new talent that's coming to the platform, and um you're missing people that work on multiple platforms, so you can sometimes actually filter out candidates. I almost always trust the hiring process either in term you know once you get your five things that you're going to grade them on um then i would always just you know either i want as many people to apply as possible and will manually review them or i want it so specific for that one person that they're going to recognize it right away i typically don't worry too much about it i know a lot of people really like experience that just isn't um like as a freelancer myself i know that experience really isn't all that indicative of the quality of person you're going to get like i had zero experience and was still doing a better job than a lot of other people I was competing with. So, it, you know, I don't know if I trust that too much.
0: Cool. Let's just segue there then and go back and catch that because you had been hiring outsourcers and you and I would talk about this uh, sometimes, our experiences with this, and then you needed money and you, you decided to go in. And I think that when you started, I can't remember how much you were doing per hour. What was your hourly rate when you started as an
1: outsourcer? Um, I'm not sure about hourly. I believe I did just the cheapest thing that I could stomach. Kind of. I think I did a hundred bucks per. I was doing logo design, and I I think it was a hundred. It might have been like ten bucks an hour or something. Once I everything panned out, sure. It was pretty. I just went down to. I was. My thinking was I needed to learn how to design. And instead of spending money on design courses or training, I could actually get people to pay me to do these little design projects, and then I would learn how to design at the same time I was getting paid. So the idea at the beginning was just, you know, I just need to land a job, period. It doesn't matter if I make money or not. I actually just need to get through all these jobs so I can figure it out, and then I'll start making money
0: right and that's the way um for those of you who don't know um uh, this is marnie and i'm interviewing my son here homeschooled and that was the way you always learned your learning pattern was not really a classroom type learning pattern you you're a brilliant person and you just learned in alternative ways so by saying it's a hundred dollars per logo you found the rate that was like a going rate at that time a kind of a low end going rate for a logo design and you would give that to them for that, but along the way, you were learning how to do the logo design, and that's kind of you know, just watching your uh, watching your development skill development over the years, I've been always amazed at how you how you learn things as you go along. One of the things you said was you said you were doing better work than some people who. Uh, maybe had more educational experience or more of the, you know, reviews or something like that. How did you, how did you, um, like w- how did you get jobs without having experience?
1: Well, you underbid everyone. And then the, I think the way I did it, um, which most people probably don't get to do this um, since I had been hiring for so many companies and I had kind of been the project manager. And so a lot of the uh, stuff that we created was uh, from my head. So I didn't do the, I I wasn't the person arranging the pixels necessarily, but I was, I was sending in sketches. I was kind of controlling the end results quite a bit. So I actually set up a portfolio um, of all the projects I had overseen so that people could see my ability to think through solutions, you know, as a product manager. And then Mm -hmm you know, the only difference was that I also need to learn how to like push the pixels around on the screen, which, you know, that was, I wasn't too worried about that, but I had this portfolio going in and the portfolio is huge. I mean, I can tell you after there's, well, I don't know if we want to get into that. It's really not just about the portfolio. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things you can do. And in the beginning though, it was, the, the things that I had mastered first for the portfolio and just underbidding everyone
0: That's right now let's go back and finish off. You started at about ten bucks an hour doing a hundred bucks a logo, and you actually took some took some different jobs then until I don't think it was very long, and you had increased your income uh, at that platform significantly
1: uh yeah, so I mean for context, I had been. I had been designing at that point for maybe a year or two already just for my own business. Um, So my backstory is basically I have been wanting to start this particular business for a very long time. And I try to do it as a business guy by getting funding and stuff, and that just never worked for me. And I got really bummed out about it. And then I finally realized that if I was really good at programming, it would only take me a couple hundred hours. And I was like, oh, that's only a couple weeks, really. So it made me realize I needed to shift. And then I've been tinkering around with it trying to get some momentum and then I it dawned on me that I could get paid to develop these skill sets. And that's when I got in. So I already had a little bit of a background. Okay, so I hit the ground running kind of with some skill sets. So it's not like I was learning everything fresh. Right. Yeah, and then I think basically when I started, what I what I found immediately was that I didn't like a lot of the projects. You know, I tried logo design and I was like, Oh, I just don't like designing logos. And then I moved over to website design, which was I had wanted to build an app and a website. So that was a lot more specific to what I wanted to do. So like I was developing the skills, the exact skills that I wanted to do. So it felt better. And then I started doing that and I started realizing that, oh, just taking any job, especially at these low rates, doesn't really make a lot of sense. So you had to kind of, it's like any startup, you have your product, which is the thing you care about. And then you have to go learn sales and marketing, no matter what you're doing, you eventually have to learn how to sell yourself. Uh, What I realized is and you know the first big step to sales and marketing is who are you trying to connect with. So I realized that if I just niched into providing user interface designs for startups that I had a lot of success. Nobody could really compete with me in there because that's what I was already doing. I knew a ton about startups. I could talk to these guys on the phone and kind of blow them away with my business knowledge. And so, I just use that to my advantage to you know get get much more competitive in that specific area than anybody else was
0: what do you think that turnaround time was? I think it was less than a year, wasn't it, where you went from ten to seventy five dollars an hour on up. once I started
1: yeah, I think I started oh I'm trying to remember I think it was about six months,
0: yeah, I was thinking it was really fast. it felt super right. fast and it was it was very fun because at the same time that you were earning decent money, then you are also being able to continually improve your skills in something. And for those who are listening and are like, wow, I just don't really want to pay somebody to learn. You know, we're living in, you know, 2020 and 2019 right now. And this you everybody's everybody's learning on the job every day. Mark, you and I talk about this all the time. We're always learning. Uh, you, you're not going to find somebody that knows every last thing about every last thing they're also learning all the time and so what what i think i want to find in an outsourcer and maybe you can respond to this and what you want to find probably is someone who can provide you the service you need while staying well while, while keeping on the cutting edge themselves so stretching them a little bit is not a bad thing if they can give you what you need what is your response to
1: that so we see two there's two typical types of people that roll through. And again, it it comes back to that almost employee mindset. This one's a little bit different. You'll find even with freelancers, you'll find two different people. One are the ambitious people that are trying to raise their rates, that are trying to refine their game, really get to the top, whether, you know, it could be anything. Maybe they want to raise their rates. We actually have a designer, the best designer I've ever worked with in my entire life. He lowers his rates for us um, because he likes working with us. Uh But he's always trying to get his designs better. Like he's just a he's passionate about what he does, that's an amazing kind of person to work with. I mean, everybody, if we could work with everybody like that, it'd just be incredible. Right. So that's kind of what you're looking for. You'll also find that people will hit their target rate and then they get comfortable and it turns into a factory where they're just cranking out the same thing. And you're you can sometimes find, you know, they'll typically be a little bit cheaper, but if you get that kind of a mindset into your company, you got to be careful because over time what happened with us is we'd hire people in and we would outgrow them within two to three months typically, right? They We'd hire them when we needed that skill. They came in, they were really great, and then within two to three months, we had already grown by them because they actually weren't growing anymore, and so we had to find new people. So I think as an employer, you've just got to recognize that really the skill set right now that you're truly going for is the person you know it's their character qualities are they adaptable can they learn do they care about what they do that's way more important than do they have this one little skill set unless you're just doing this little one-off job but if you want to have a long-term relationship with someone then you need to look for those character qualities Um, so I'd say that's probably the big the big big one and then as a you know as an employer this idea that you take on risk when you hire someone to do work, th- I think that's where we go back to the contracting again, where your contracts need to be set to fail in the beginning. Or really, I mean, even with the people that we trust a lot, we still have contracts that set to expire every couple months, just to make sure that everybody is giving and getting the most out of that relationship. I think what will happen is if you start making friends with people, and then... um you know, their work quality slips or you're growing and they're not growing, then it gets really awkward. You know, then it gets into this emotional territory where it's much harder to do the right thing. So as an employer, you're looking for dynamic people and you should always just structure or as a freelancer, the contract is the most important part of everything, right? So you got to set the rules and then you got to follow your rules or you'll get yourself into trouble and pretty much guaranteed
0: i love that that you're focusing on the contract and that's where i spend my time as well however you and i come at this very differently where you open it up to the broad category of people to be able to see it so people on google can find it people at Upwork can find it um, all the contractors can find it and then they decide whether if it's a good fit for them i come about it through the back door i go the other way and also have success so right now in the program i want to just pause for a minute and explain how i do it When I set my post for a job, I really refine it down and nobody sees the post unless I invite them. So it's a totally different way to go about it in that the only people finding my job description are the people who I invite to the job. So as I'm doing the post, I already have in mind, like we talked about earlier, you want to know exactly who you're looking for. And Then I create the job post. I say this is who I'm looking for. I'm looking for the people that fit this title, can do this description, uh, that they are either from the US or worldwide. And It kind of depends on the project. I have specific, like we said earlier, I typically hire my uh, programmers out of India and I typically hire my support staff out of the Philippines. However, I have people in the United States that I work with also. If I can't find um, them quickly in India or the Philippines, I just broaden the search. What I found because WomenSpeakers.com is a Christian site, I don't dare to go to places like the Middle East or uh, those kind of places have awesome work. But for my particular site, which is a ministry versus a business, it's not a good fit. So, I I select during the posting a job. I select invite only. So that's very narrowed down compared to what Mark's uh, businesses are doing. The talent type, I always go independent. I do not work with agencies because I find that when I have this job narrowed down that I find that I can find the best person and then I have a lot of direct engagement and access to them. Their job description for me has to be 90%, their English level fluid or more or fluent or more, they have to have earned over $100 for, for me to consider them. I select pay by the hour. Sometimes I'll do a fixed contract, but usually pay by the hour. I always select entry level. So these are real different than what Mark's talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm on the very low end of <laughs> low end of the hiring, hiring pool here, but yet at the same time, I get really quality workers, and they come in and they do what I need them to do. The length of the contract, again, to put a shorter length to the contract is a great idea. However, if I'm looking for someone to work with me long term, I do put that there so that I can figure out if they're going to be available. And then after I set the contract, I can decide on a time. I also say that for me, it will always be under 30 hours a week. This is how I narrow it down, then I go and do my search using keywords, for example, If I was looking for a book formatter, which I wouldn't be because I have worked with the same one from Outsource for years and years, but if I was, I would use book formatting, book publishing, uh, uh, book or formatting expert, uh, words like that. And then I would also select what I want it to be formatted in Word doc, PDF, whatever, you know, InDesign, whatever I am looking for. Very specific. It's going to pitch me now all of the people who match my criteria that I have typed into my job post. And so I get to really narrow that down. It's going to be a little bit of trial and error at first, but don't worry about that. Uh, you mentioned, you mentioned the designer who just like is your favorite, you know, it's just your, one of your favorite people to work with. You have other people like that too. And so do I, maybe um, I'll just share, I'll just share with one of mine that I'm going to give you an opportunity to share a story of one of yours. So One of my favorite outsourcers is a, is he is actually a um, graphic artist and he does the best work and super fast and I don't have constant work for him, but whenever I give him work, he turns it around quickly and he does better work than, like you said about your designer, better work than anybody I've ever done. And he's retained his rates for me for, I don't know how many years, it's a long time. If he does a huge uh, rush project for me, then I give him a bonus. And just keep that relationship really um, healthy that way. Is there somebody that you can think of that is an example of having someone who's really great to work with and just keeping them happy?
1: Oh, yeah. We've got a bunch of people at this point. Um, maybe the, the best example that's going to be relevant to everyone is we have this uh, data entry guy in India. And I think he charges four or, I mean, we gave him a raise to like five bucks an hour. It's just amazing rates. Uh, his name is Tufin, So basically anybody could hire this guy. You don't have to be, you know, this is not some high paid skill set. Um, but what we used to do is we'd talk about everybody in the company, all of our hires. We would say they're a big Tufan or a little Toofin. You know, if they were a really high quality person, we'd call them a Tufan because this guy was just incredible. You could give him a project. You just give him the instructions and he would go figure it out. He would contact you if he needed help. He was pretty fast. He was extraordinarily reliable. I mean, we give him legal work. You know, he'll go through and help our legal team because we just trust him that much. And so this is a guy that's not charging a lot of money. You know, we'll bend over backwards for him, basically, uh, try help him if he needs money or whatever. And it's just amazing to find people like that. And it doesn't have to be expensive is is the really cool thing.
0: Yeah, and I've had I've had uh, so Tufin's from India, and one of my guys, MC from Philippines, he worked for me I think for eight years, um, and and he actually started his own directory after he'd run my directory for eight years. He started his own directory, which was awesome, nice. but um, just fantastic. Uh, like like Tuvin, too, just very loyal. I could always count on him. And some people really struggle with the idea of hiring people that aren't from the United States. And I guess I've done enough travel, I'll let you uh, respond to this in a moment, but I've done enough travel to know visually, as well as I already knew this before I had traveled, but hiring someone from another country can really change their, it can really change their life uh, to have consistent work that they can do and that they can do well and um, And so I guess for me, I I just don't have any problem. I hire people from the United States. I have an editor right now who's just fantastic. And she happens to be from Florida, but she's just, I found her on on Upwork. And I hire the person who's the best skilled for the job, who can do the job for me at the right rate and is available and all that. But I know that for some people, it kind of bends their head to, to not give people in the U.S. the work. Mark, what is your just thoughts on that?
1: I've got a lot of thoughts. Uh, Let's see. I think, uh, yeah. So I guess I'm not entirely sure what the question's about if we're trying to pay, like, if you feel guilty about not paying a U.S. person, but I think really it's kind of the wrong mindset to some extent. If that person in in my, in my opinion, anyway, if that person isn't trying to push themselves and, and learn and grow, they probably don't deserve the contract just because they have some kind of nationality stamp. What you find working with people is that, there's really incredible people all over the place. And there's really kind of people that are not motivated and kind of lazy all over the place. You know, you you can get them anywhere you go. Uh, What matters a lot more is like, what are you trying to build? You gotta, in my, in my opinion, you gotta be a little bit selfish about it and think about what's your dream team look like? What does your perfect scenario look like? And then be really disciplined about finding, figuring out how to do that. And I would say, don't worry about the country as much as the person, because the right people can be super transformative for you, for your business, uh, for your life. I mean a lot of i i have I'm really good friends with a lot of these guys, you know right. these people right. that we work with now mm-hmm. you know they're just like they're like my high school friends in some cases've been working with them for years they're just fantastic people, so I don't think you know the the country in my mind is a very The other thing is the U.S. really just can't compete in terms of price. So, you know, unless you just want to be throwing money into the U.S. for some reason, uh, it doesn't make sense in a lot of ways. Hmm. Yeah.
0: So I think that that we've covered most of the ground. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you about. Um, The last thing I want us to cover is just some of the different ways that we have used outsourcers. Um, And some of the ways, uh, maybe to help you guys that are listening and you're like, yeah, but why would I, (laughs) what would I do with an outsourcer? So uh, I think uh, maybe I'll just throw out one, Mark, you can maybe jot as as we're talking here and and think of some of the different ways that you have used outsourcers in the past. So one of my favorite ways is when I am getting ready to publish a book. I use outsourcers for everything from proofreading to technical editing to layout editing um, to book formatting, uh, I mean every basically every uh, graphic art uh, for the cover, basically everything related to a book that I'm publishing myself, I do using outsourcers. And this is one of my favorite stories. So um, the guy that does all my book layouts, He's he's from the Philippines and he is just fantastic at it. He is so good. But the way that I found him was that I had actually hired a US outsourcer who used to work for like one of the largest publishing companies in the United States as a book formatter and he was charging quite a lot of money. You know, he I was getting the top top guy and he was charging top dollar. And after two months, he hadn't given me anything to work with. I mean, he kept giving me stuff that was just either either just not at all what I could use or else it was late or it was just incomplete or whatever. And after two months, I just said, I can't work with you anymore. This is just too frustrating. So um, he refunded my down payment because he knew that he wasn't doing the work either. And I went and I found this other guy who's just, now he's he's done book formatting for several of the speakers at womenspeakers.com. He just does a fantastic job. So for me, um, a, producing a book is a way that I use outsourcers a lot. Having said that, is there something that's coming right to your mind, Mark, that you have found outsourcing just fantastic
1: for? Oh, I mean, anything you do on a computer can be outsourced, you know? Yeah. Um, Typically, the ones that get used the most are design, development, writing, uh, marketing, all of that kind of stuff works really, really well for uh, for outsourced work. But, I mean, we outsource paralegals. We have outsourced uh, attorney time uh, to, to some extent, right? All of our people... Uh, are freelancers. So it's not all, they're not necessarily all on Upwork, but like we have an attorney right now that's on Upwork. That is fantastic. Not only is she an attorney, but she also is what's known as a COO, kind of a COO for hire. So she has a heavy operations background. Um, you know, you can find all kinds of people.
0: Yeah. Right. Another one that I use is, um, When I've written an original song, I find someone on Upwork who can make the music rendition for me, who will take my little chords and my little scribbles and my recording and my words, and they'll make it into sheet music for me so that it can be submitted to CCLI if it's a Christian song or just publicized that way. There there are so many things that you can use outsourcers for. I think about making commercials. Um, uh, outsourcers can make commercials for you and do voiceovers, uh, video creation. I hired, I hired a YouTube consultant a while back. That was just, I mean, he knew it inside out. He told me in 30 minutes what I've been trying to figure out for weeks. So, so, I mean, there's just so many things that you can use outsourcers for as I've been talking. Have you thought of anything else you want to talk about, about that?
1: Well, I don't normally think about specifics necessarily, but I do think there's like categories of work. So You know, like a book launch or developing a website would be a perfect example. Even if you have that skill set, you know, um, like our developer, really fantastic at development, not the greatest at design. So if you have the money, you can break this big project down into all these little chunks, right? Instead of hiring one person in like an employee and having them try to do everything, you can actually just grab little pieces of the project and outsource that in those individual steps. So that's a really great way to use it. Another thing is that, you know, anything that is like a one-time setup project, anything that you need research right. on, when I was learning how to program, I would, I would go hire experienced programmers for an hour or two just to come sit with me, look at the problem I was facing, talk me through it, and use them as coaches and mentors kind of. You know, you can, you can use it for pretty much any problem that doesn't require a person like physically there with you.
0: Okay, and that's what uh, that was my example with the YouTube guy. But I also have done this with many people. I'll just type in who I'm looking for. <laughs> I am looking for a YouTube guru or a a, a Brilliant Directories expert. You know, something like that. And I just see who comes up, and uh, put my parameters in, and then see if I can find somebody available to help me get past. You know, you you hit a speed bump in the road or maybe a roadblock. You cannot figure this thing out. A lot of times, um, if you don't have someone in your physical sphere right here in your life to help you with this, uh, finding an outsourcer who can just come in and give you an hour's worth of advice is just going to be huge as far as progressing forward. Mark, this has been such great, uh, <laughs> great help. We've been thinking about doing this for a long time, and I have a feeling that it's possible that I maybe just missed a whole thing that you were like the most important thing or one of the things you really wanted to cover. Was there anything that you had um, come on to the program today thinking I hope we get to talk about?
1: Um, This is only for people looking to hire through freelance sites, right? Not for people that want jobs.
0: Um, We can address both just in a moment, but mostly we're talking about people who want to hire.
1: Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, No, I think that in that case, the, we already went through like the contracts are just, unbelievably important. And I think almost everybody I've ever talked to underestimates how important that is. So,
0: One of the things that really jumped out to me that I'll do different going forward after today's conversation with you on this subject is the description line and how you can literally attract um, more talented people by bothering to put in a description of your organization. And for those of you who haven't used Upwork or other outsourcing uh, platforms, you, you have this job idea in mind and then people come and look at it and they decide. And I do that, you know, uh, I've been talking about this during the hour, but I do the, where I only look at people who I've invited. And so they come and they look and sometimes they get rejections. And I think that that's a piece that I've been missing. So I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful for that insight too.
1: Mark, yeah. thank you. Actually, I yeah. have oh, I've Go got one other thing I was thinking about. Yeah. So the thing that's kind of still surprising us is just like this concept that you can find an attorney. That's a salesperson. That's a real estate investor, right? That you can go out and find, like you can dream up what's the, what would the most amazing person to work with be? And then like, for example, we got not just one of them. We didn't even know one of them existed. Well, we have three of them that applied within a week. So Hmm. it's like a lot of times, you can actually go for who would the most amazing person be. And then another thing (laughs) to think about um, that we didn't mention is that a lot of these freelancers, the reason they're stable is because they can go get jobs pretty reliably. Um, But that comes with a cost. They're constantly like our designer is a great example why he lowers his rates for us because he is constantly talking to new clients. He's got to go in and figure out their business model. He's got to work through them with all the design kinks. And then he moves to the next project and there's no stability. There's really no team, no purpose, no family, right? They're just a mercenary in in some sense. And it's not very fun. Uh, You get design challenges and little projects in there that are fun, but that lifestyle, it's not as rewarding as having this one project you're working on. So when he gets a chance, and this is why you would talk about your company, even if you're not a company, you would talk about yourself. What you're, what you're selling them is a vision, right? You're writing an advertisement for that person where you need to tell them who you're looking for and so they can say, oh, that's me. And then you have to tell them why they should work with you. And it's because not only are you offering them money, but you have a purpose. You've got a vision that you're trying to do and you are a great person to work with. You have a great team. And so then what you can do especially if you can figure out like who would the best person to work with me be, maybe they're a fantastic designer and a web developer and they know video, right? Whatever it is, if you can really narrow down what you're looking for, you can bring that person in and they'll want to work with you more to the point where they may even drop their rates. We've had lots of people drop their rates for us because they just have so much fun working on a single project, having some more reliability, you know, being on a team where you care that much about who you're working with. I think that's a huge mover and it really shows over time, you know, it's, it's not necessarily always going to stand out in the minute, but over time, the amount of stability and fun you have working with these people will just um, always be good. Versus when you pull in people that are cheap, that look like they can help that you didn't vet very well, what can happen in two weeks or four weeks or a month or two, like the, like the guy you were talking about doing your book. Eventually you just are so frustrated. It just is like, I can't stand this. Something has mm-hmm. to change. So you're really trying to avoid that feeling at all costs (laughs) or as much (laughs) as much cost as you can afford, really. Right. Right.
0: Well, that is such a great place. And we're at the end of the time here. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yep. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, it's just not every day that I get to interview one of my children. (laughs) So this was really fun to have Mark on here. And uh, for those of you who are new to this program, this is sponsored by womenspeakers.com, www.womenspeakers.com, which I founded in 2002 to help Christian women's events planners find Christian women speakers who lived near them. And it has exploded, and now we've got people flying all over the country and all over the world. But uh, basically, the heart of the program, the heart of womenspeakers.com, is to make it easy for a planner to find a speaker who would be willing to come and speak at her event, whether it's a mother-daughter tea or a Christmas program or whatever it is. And so if you have not checked that out, please do. If you know of a Christian women's event planner, a women's ministry leader, or someone else who coordinates women's conferences or women's days, make sure that you pass along the name of that website, womensspeakers.com, to them. And if you know a speaker who is a Christian woman who has messages that are compelling, Please have her register or apply for registration at womenspeakers.com as well. We're also looking for additional speakers over there. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Perspective Transformation Radio, changing the world one perspective at a time. Learn more about today's guests at www.perspectivetransformation.com, more about our sponsor at womenspeakers.com, and swing over and visit me at Marnie.com. Feel free to share this program with your friends and social networks and listen live every Wednesday afternoon or catch the archives at Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite site. Have a wonderful rest of your day and see you next time.